0: Welcome to Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about
1: storytelling. Stories We Don't Tell is a monthly event in Toronto that features candid stories of strength and resilience. I threw out my
2: prayers,
0: they went flying like balloons. The air whipped our
1: hair, we went shooting down the valley. Knuckles gripped upon the handles, shivers rushing down my spine. What's
2: the Paul Gore, everybody.
1: So, for the last two years, since the relationship with my ex-girlfriend ended, I've often wondered how, not if, but how we would meet again. It would be a spring afternoon, and I'd be walking down the street, hand in hand with a woman I just started seeing. I'm dressed in my finest blazer. <laughs> My hair is at that perfect place between being too short and too long. <laughs> I'm a successful writer and this success provides that invisible confidence a person can carry when everything in his life is in the right place. We stop at an intersection and wait to cross. As the, su- the walk signal turns, we step on the street and this is where I see a familiar face coming the other way. We lock eyes and I smile and nod. This familiar face takes us in, is hit with the invisible power of the love emanating from us, and brushes past. The woman I'm with asked, who is that? And I reply, oh, no one. <laughs> this relationship lasted almost three years. We are having our problems, but the sudden demise of our time together sent a, a shock through me. She broke up with me on the phone. There was no discussion, no trying to work things out. I wrote her an email asking to meet me at a coffee shop. I told her I'd be there the following Sunday at a specific time. I needed some kind of closure, I needed something, anything. I wrote that if she didn't show up, I'd be there the next Sunday as well. This led to nothing except me feeling even more pathetic than I already was. The end of this relationship was a shock because it was the closest thing to long term that I've experienced. I was thinking all kinds of marriage-related thoughts. There were problems between us, I felt, that were just normal issues common to all relationships. But there were things that I just couldn't see. And I think the body knows this. Because towards the end, I noticed that my hair started to fall out and was turning gray at the temples. There was no bald spot, but more and more hair appeared in the shower. More and more gray hairs came into view. I started sweating more than I usually did. (laughs) Pit stains were staining my shirts. My body was trying to tell me something that I didn't want to admit to myself. I didn't see anyone cause for our breakup. Nothing specific happened. No one cheated. We weren't really fighting. The relationship just sort of drifted away from us. This breakup proved proved to me that I had my shot at something long-term and lost. I claimed to be sensitive and vulnerable, but I lacked the ability to let someone in to who I was because that opened up the possibility of causing exactly the kind of pain that I was feeling at the time. This inability to let someone in, to actually be intimate in a completely authentic way, had immobilized me. There was no lack of desire, she was just at a loss with me, just like all the others. She tried, she really did, but being being with me was like being with someone who wasn't really there. I was convinced that the more I continued like this, the more the cycle would never be broken, and I would begin to spend more time on my own, claiming I didn't need anyone else. I saw myself being, becoming bitter and old and I'd mumble at young couples walking blissfully hand in hand down the streets. I'd go home alone and I'd never leave my house and I'd die alone and my lonely body wouldn't be found until the smell was noticed a week later by my whispering neighbors. So, so clearly I had some work to do on myself. It's strange after a breakup because that person is still out there somewhere living their life, just not without you. I had to start living mine again. I disappeared to Cuba for a few weeks and brought nothing but some notebooks and life, the biography of Keith Richards. <laughs> I was just tired of myself and what I was doing and who I had become. In Cuba, I came face to face with someone I didn't like anymore, uh, me. With the help of Keith Richards, (laughs) I ripped myself apart and returned with a relentless drive to change things. I did what you're supposed to do after breaking up. I started to clean myself up a bit, started using product in my hair, (laughs) which curiously, within a few weeks of us breaking up, had stopped falling out. I went to the gym, tried to be more social. I started focusing on what I wanted to do with my life, and traveled for work to the United States and Russia and other places. I went on a trip to Costa Rica with 17 others and came back with new friends and connections. I published a book and threw a big launch event and put myself out there like never before. But still, it was as though many of these big changes were reactionary. I can say that I made these changes for myself, but either directly or indirectly, she was a part of all these decisions and some small thought tucked away in the back of my head said maybe someday she would see this new person I had become. So a couple of weeks before the launch event I sent her a letter. I included the book which wasn't exactly about her but it was about my time after we broke up. I wrote in the letter, I understand we haven't talked in a while but I regard our time together as an important part of my life and wanted you to have a copy of this book. Many things I learned from it were integral to its writing. I wondered if she would show up at the event, but I wasn't surprised that she didn't. I thought that this was perhaps finally complete. I haven't seen or heard from her since the night on the telephone. Maybe I didn't have to worry about running into her. It was done. I felt a weight had lifted. And then... A week later, I was down the street at three speed, a bar where nothing good ever
2: happens.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was sitting with one of the people I met in Costa Rica. We just came from an exciting meeting with people that run writing workshops for kids and we were discussing what we could do to help them. My friend had just quit her job and would soon be off traveling for a month. She was in that exhilarating place of being in her twenties and going after new opportunities and we were eating and drinking and talking about all these good things in our lives. We sat near the back along a row of two-seater tables when the server showed two people over to the table right next to us. I glanced up and locked eyes with her. So after three years of being in a relationship, it ends. I spent 2 years working on myself and wondering when I would run into her. I wonder what I would say to her. I saw her passing me in the streets and I saw her at bars and restaurants. These were all just ghosts really. I reached out to her with a letter after all this time, a letter that might not even reached her. And I'm putting out work that tries to make sense of why all this affected me so much. I'm trying to understand why I couldn't seem to get over it. I mean, just get over it already. And I do this launch event and I feel the weight lifted and it's over. And a week later, I find myself in a bar and she is being seated right next to me. Now, I don't know if it's the proof of the existence of some kind of God or a pattern of some universal energy that binds and connects us or just pure fucking coincidence, (laughs) but I glanced up and I locked eyes with her. She grabbed the man she was with by the arm and stormed out of the bar. (laughs) And the body knows as I just instantly started shaking, and I called the server over to take away my half-eaten meal. I was shaking because for a moment, everything I achieved over the last few years disappeared, and all of it meant nothing. I was brought back to the person I was before, I was scared that all that she saw was the person who deserved to be dumped over the phone and who would accept that. All these things, my gradeless hair, my blazer, <laughs> the traveling I had done, my work, the new people in my life, the book, everything, had disappeared in a moment and meant nothing. But this was just simply not the truth. The exchange occurred in a few seconds and my friend said, What just happened? And she knew the backstory. She ordered us another round. Because the real truth is that now I sort of have an end to this story. Thank you.
0: story.
2: Thanks Paul for sharing that story with us. It was about running into an axe but also you told it pretty recently after you had run into that axe. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that timeline?
1: Yeah and it was uh, I found it a, a bit challenging because in storytelling or just in writing classes or writing teachers that I've had they've always just said don't like they're like journal about that stuff, write about it, like record if something big happens or something painful or, or or traumatic in a way that maybe just like write about it, but to write about it in, in a formal way is actually, you're almost too inside of it mm-hmm. to, to really kind of gain any perspective or insight into it. Mm-hmm. This particular uh, experience just happened and I was like, no, I want to write about this, but I think a difference with this is that I was writing about this person a lot.
2: Well, you had broken up a long time before this, right? So you write about this moment, but it's not like you broke up two weeks before. It was like...
1: Yeah, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I have I kind of explored a lot with this person and my feelings and what kind of happened along the way. It took me a little while to, pra- to process that breakup, and I told a few stories about it, even a couple at our event. So it kind of was just almost a conclusion to that story in a way like mm-hmm. I uh, obviously everybody heard what happened so um I just sort of ran into this person and it gave me a chance to kind of almost explore or re-explore some of the feelings and how I've changed since we've we've broken up and uh you know kind of see uh what to do with that I
0: was I was even just to say that I part of, like talking about it, it's a fresh story as long we've had other stories uh which have also been have been very fresh yeah. uh and and it's been interesting to watch people sort of try to work through that because occasionally you know we've had at least three or four storytellers cry while trying to tell a story um and we've had that sort of that experience a brunch and, especially the first brunch we joke that it's a chance to cry over our pages. Yeah. Um, people do cry at People cry and... a lot at the first brunch.
2: Yeah. Like pretty regularly, I'd say. Uh, I,
1: I Actually, I told... There was another story as well that I um, that I told that I felt was pretty fresh. And I guess just as you get more experience, you kind of understand what you're getting yourself into. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes some people, when you say that you don't want to tell a fresh story, it's just maybe because people don't have the experience of all of a sudden being... Uh, in front of people trying to share a story that is and they get very emotional and you just don't know how to handle it because you're almost reliving mm-hmm. kind of what's happening but for me when when I've gone to do these a story like this one that is a bit fresh you just kind of go in saying all right uh you kind of you get your support you're like okay these people are here my friends are here and I know where they are I I usually Look where they are in the audience to make sure I can like make eye contact with them and get that support and it's kind of just I just try to make sure I ground myself in a way before Mm -hmm. going into it Mm because you know You're going to experience some of these emotions and you just prepare yourself for it
0: I want to think also we have a very unique situation, which is that the three of us have now told probably eight to ten stories each at these events and so I think for us to tell a story at one of these events is a very, very different experience than a any most other people telling a story at one of these events. And B, even if we try to tell a story somewhere else, oh, I think yeah, there's I would a, be terrible at that. Yeah, there's like a, I think there's a level of comfort that we actually have in this event. So us telling a, like so I think asking someone else from outside this to come into a room full of what is, will be them largely largely strangers to tell a fresh story is a very different, different thing. And I think it's only possible to even do it in any way effectively because that for us, this is almost the most safe space we know yeah. compared to what most people experience, which is that this is a room full of strangers who are about to judge me for whatever I'm about to say.
2: So I did a work- well, I did a workshop with Sage Turtle, who is a remarkable storyteller in Toronto. And we did a storytelling workshop with her. And this was one of, as it is for everybody, this was one of her cardinal rules. Like, don't tell something while you're still going through it. And then she gives this example of being at an event. And this woman gets up and tells a story about a breakup that had just happened. Like, I think this woman had just been broken up with. But maybe had just broken up with somebody. I don't know. But she was very emotional about it. So she starts telling it to try to tell a story. And then it kind of turns into her, like, crying on stage and then asking the audience what they think that she should do and it's like that's the moment the moment when you lose the story and you enter your own like need for comfort or therapy or whatever is when it switches from a story to a therapy session and like that's why you don't do it when you're in the middle of it is if you're going to ask the audience to be your catharsis like it is cathartic to tell a story but your the audience doesn't owe you catharsis (laughs)
1: I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that a hundred percent. What Sage was saying, because I do agree the example that she has used and mm-hmm. and she's talked about that kind of thing before. Like yeah, she talked about that on your podcast. I think. All the reasons that she brings up, I I totally agree with, but there is also something that it can be a really good experience. I mean, just for me personally, in this story that we heard, Mm -hmm. I just like, it felt, it did actually feel like there was some sense of closure with all of this. Mm -hmm. I felt terrible during the experiences that I'm describing in the story, Mm -hmm. like what actually happened. But when I retold it, it kind of was in a way for me, I don't want to sound like, Cheesy or any or corny or anything, but I was able to kind of gain some kind of control again over the what happened and, and explore it in a different way.
2: I think this is also something about when we were putting this event together, I was really adamant about people being allowed to use notes, which you can't have at a lot of storytelling events because you have to be telling them like, a la carte, I don't know, improv, I don't know, whatever, however you.
0: It's definitely not a la carte. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, I think that it might be, like, you know, off script, no. Okay. Anyway, you have to tell them that notes. And I was really adamant that I wanted people to to have notes, not because I wanted people to necessarily be reading, but because we, we knew we were going to be covering topics that people wouldn't necessarily be totally on the other side of like the kinds of stuff that we want people to be able to talk about, which is grief, which is like stories of strength and resilience. They're always going to be a little bit fresh. And if That was a criteria that you had to be on totally on the other side of it. We weren't going to get the raw stories that we wanted. And so I wanted people to be able to have... I liked actually, Paul, while you were talking... I was thinking of the word grounded. We have an excellent system. I like to sit near the front so that I can touch people's feet if Mm. they seem like they're emotional, which sounds really great over the podcast, but it's my new strategy (laughs) and it works and it's to ground people. But that's why you have notes is so that instead of looking at the audience and then imploring them to tell you whether or not you should call your ex-boyfriend like that woman allegedly did, you can just look at your notes that you already wrote out and then remember what happens next.
0: Mm. Yeah, you have the power of your own narrative. Yeah, and I think that's, I think, Two things that you you said, uh, I, said a lot. I want to uh, I want to jump back to. Uh, the first is the idea that I think you're r think I think in the best case scenario, uh, you're telling something or we're telling something, or getting someone to tell some something that they've been working through for a long time, but they're still not fully over
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that these stories are a way to sort of take ownership of that story.
1: Yeah. And
0: so I think really I think Really, for I'd say eighty-five, eighty percent of our stories, the person is still a little bit in it, and I think that's what we kind of want. Mm-hmm. Like when you talk about stories you don't tell, we do to tell, we we want you to still feel like we say look for the feeling. So to yeah. say look for the feeling, but then also be able to not feel something yeah. is kind of hypocritical. So I think what we're really looking for is that you're not so far in it that you will lose the narrative, mm-hmm. and that you will go or you know, or go off script. And I think that's, again, what the what yeah, notes allow you stay to do. is script. Or is it forces you on script. And, and the couple times where someone has been in it and, and so in it that they have lost it, they haven't had a script.
2: And the reason that you write it out is that you get to give it whatever ending you give it. And it doesn't have to be a conclusion. And it doesn't have to be that you're okay now, which is what we tell people all the time. Like, you don't owe the audience a, a neat ending. But you do owe your story some kind of resolution, whatever resolution you want to give it. And, like that's what you're doing here.
1: Going through this whole process was a big time commitment. The main, one of the, one of the reasons for doing that is so people don't walk away feeling like, well, I just bared my yeah. soul and I don't feel good about it. Like I feel like I'm, and I'm just speaking again from experience where I have gone and done other events. I won't say which ones, but, um, and you just kind of get up, you do your thing and then I walk away, you walk away and you say, well, I just was really filling time in Mm -hmm. on a lineup that didn't really and you don't feel a part of it and it's really important to me and I again I I think you guys would agree that anybody that comes to our event to tell a story that we want them to you know go through this process and we're going through this process with them and then kind of walk away feeling whatever they want to feel about that story but to actually feel good about it in some kind of way.
2: Some of these things are just never going to be okay and we're not allowed to tell them and that's why they're stories we don't tell and so the very nature of this is that we are looking for those stories, and we're looking for the way to tell them that is both doesn't feel exploitative to the storyteller and respects the audience, so that they feel taken care of as they listen.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the I think that I think the the thing that makes it possible to do this, uh, is and and to take care of both the you know as we've been talking about take care of both the audience and the storyteller is this sort of process where you are like, hey, you have to t- write it down, you have to tell it to us you should tell it to other people you, you should have to say it again you have to practice crying
2: in front of other people if have, that's what's going to happen exactly
0: like you have to say it you have to say it again you have to say it again and what you're going to say when you get up there and when if you've done that then i think you can get through almost anything mm-hmm. uh, no, no matter how fresh it may or may not be but if you've if you've done it before in a smaller group then when you get up to a bigger group if you have your notes and you have and, you have, and you're doing it you'll get through it and you know, maybe sometimes you don't want to just get through it, but that's that's the goal, and I think that's that's how we that's how you do it. If you want to, if you want to tell a story that you're still feeling, that's how you do
2: it. And someone will probably thank you.
0: You can find us online at thereapers dot because we are in the life collecting business. Thanks to Rihanna for the theme music to this podcast.
2: You can find out more about her in the show notes or at rihanna.ca. This episode of The Stories We Don't Tell was brought to you by 5am Wake Up Calls.